Well, that was encouraging. It's a blessing. Inspirational singing like that is definitely does something to the spirits. So thank you all for putting your heart into it. For a few minutes of consideration, don't you think, young people, all of us, don't you think that we owe it to God to leave this world a better place? Do we leave? Don't we owe it to the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave his life for us to redeem us? Don't we owe it to him to leave a mark behind, to leave a legacy behind? So many people start out well, and they finish bad. And what really thrills me is to be able to look at somebody's life and and view their life from the beginning to the end and see them ending faithful. That thrills me. And so I would like to encourage all of us, this was just five days Probably for many of you, it's just a small portion of the experiences that you are going to experience in life. God has chosen to give you the opportunity, give me the opportunity, to allow this week, these five days of spiritual input to be wound and sewed into the fabric of our life. From your testimony, it's been good. But if we're only going to look at these times to be those high points where God weaves into our lives and we don't take into consideration all of life, good days, the bad days, and allow God to take those things and also to weave them into the fabric of our life so that we can even accumulate those things and allow those things to become stepping stones in our lives. So, after a week like this, most of us were focused on fellowship, listening to the words, singing, and so many good things happen. Now we go back home. Now we go back to our families. Now we go back to our churches. Now we go back to our communities. And it's not all just wonderful and okay there. But God wants to take those things and use them as stepping stones, weaving that into the fabric of our lives. But it is not going to happen, folks. It isn't going to happen if we're going to play games. We're going to play around. I was just thinking of Joseph. There's a number of men in the Bible who started well, they ended well. Those things get me excited. Joseph started well and he ended well, but it didn't just happen. There were very specific things that Joseph embraced in his life, took them, accepted them, wrapped his arms around them, and allowed them to become stepping stones rather than stumbling blocks. Imagine, falsely accused, thrown in prison, forgotten about. Well, what good is that? What was the chains around his ankle that ushered in the gold chain of being governor of Egypt. So if we can allow God to take 
all of the situations of life, not just this week, all of the situations of life, wind them in the fabrics of our life. We're not going to get there, folks, by messing around, by playing around, by being nonchalant, by being lazy. We're not going to get there. You probably remember the story of Michelangelo. Many of us remember him as being someone fairly famous when it comes to a sculptor. And as we heard this week, the way young men learned a trade was they went and worked for someone. They were an apprentice. And he went and apprenticed under somebody who could teach him well. One day, his boss comes into the studio and finds Michelangelo working with something way below his level. Way below his level. His boss walked over, grabbed the hammer, and walked up to this piece that he was playing with and smashed it. And told him, Michael, talent is cheap. But dedication is costly. No playing around. I'd like to spend a few minutes in Second Timothy. As I was saying, it uh, gets me excited when I see men who ran well, ended their life well. In Second Timothy chapter four, uh, verses six to eight. We have Paul kind of categorizing his life. It says, for I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. So that tells us that he was at the end of his life. He knew it wasn't going to be long anymore. And so he's just uh, revealing to Timothy, Timothy who mentored under him. I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. Listen to what he said. I have fought a good fight. I have fought a good fight. And if some of you remember some of the things that Apostle Paul cataloged, of all the things that came against him and the difficulties that he faced. He said, I fought a good fight. I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. Oh, that gets me excited. Oh, I, I don't know. If I live 60 years, 70 years, or 80 years, I want to be able to say that. I want to be able to say I left my mark behind for the cause of Christ. I have finished my course. Wouldn't that be a good feeling if you could get to the end of your life and you really feel you have fulfilled your calling? That's exciting. So I finished my course. I have kept the faith. One of the things we heard tonight was about faithfulness. I want to talk about faithfulness just a little bit tonight. Being faithful to the end. Henceforth, the Apostle Paul says, henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. Not to me only, thankfully, not to me only, but unto all them. Also that love his appearing. It is just so exciting to see someone's life, see them come to the end of their life. They say, basically what the Apostle Paul was saying is, you know, I had a purpose and I filled that purpose. How rewarding. Not going to get there just by playing around. But somebody who's dedicated, somebody who's committed, 
Somebody's going to go the whole way. And they're not going to play around things way below their level. Commit it. But the Apostle Paul here was talking to Timothy. And right prior to this, he gives some very practical instructions. And we'll take a moment to look at that. Beginning at the beginning of the chapter, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But, Timothy, watch thou in all things. Watch thou in all things. Be alert. Be awake. Endure afflictions. Timothy, you're going to need to endure afflictions. Persevere up under even difficult times. We get all wrapped up when things go hard, difficult. One other place that uh, Apostle Paul told Timothy, be a soldier. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and make full proof of thy ministry. And that's simply saying, be faithful to the end. Just follow through faithful to the end. Timothy, follow through faithful to the end. Like I said, it's so exciting to see, be able to see these men and women who have been faithful. We have the Apostle Paul. What a tremendous testimony of someone who was faithful. Will you be faithful to the end? Will you leave a legacy behind? That is safe to follow. I have kept the faith. There's another man that we don't know much about that I think is worthy to take note of tonight as we consider faithfulness. Men and women who have been faithful and can say with the Apostle Paul, I've fought a good fight, I've finished my course, I've kept the faith. I'd like to draw our attention for a few moments to Polycarp. Polycarp was supposedly a disciple of the Apostle John. The Apostle John would have discipled him. He had become, in his later years, a bishop of the church of Smyrna. But it was in AD 168 that he was captured and put to death by fire and sword for his faith in Christ Jesus. A little bit of the story there. He was uh, three days before his apprehension. He was sleeping one night, and in his dream, he dreamed that his pillow was on fire. He awoke from his dream, and right away, he submitted to the fact that he would probably, most likely, die by being burned at the stake. His friends knew that they were after him, and so they removed him. They took him somewhere to another part of town or out of town, somewhere else. They took him. But the bailiff and his men caught two young lads that they knew knew where he was. And they scourged him and said, you're telling us where he is. And of course, because of the scourging and the severity of the scourging, they told him 
where this polycarp was. As the story goes, and you can read it in the martyr's mirror, when the captors came to the house, Polycarp comes downstairs, down the steps to meet him. And one of the captors, when they saw this old man in his 80s, said, what in the world? Why did we ever hurry over here so fast just to pick up an old man like this? Polycarp set food out to his captors and said to them, I would ask for one hour to pray. One hour to pray. And they gave him that hour. From what I understand, one of his biggest burdens in the prayer was for the church and the churches that he had pastored, that he had been a bishop over, committing them to the Lord. He was going on. He knew this was the end. After that hour, they put him on a donkey. They led him back to the city. As they were getting, the bailiff and his men were getting back to the city, the, somebody from, I don't know, the emperor came out to meet him on a chariot. And as they come along, they invited Polycarp up into the chariot. And so his old man gets up into the chariot, and they start asking him that, hey, listen, All you have to do is swear to the emperor. All you have to do is worship the emperor. That's all you have to do and we'll let you go. Well, of course, they soon perceived his steadfast faithfulness. This old man is not going to budge. And they got upset and angry and they pushed him out of the carriage. And of course, an old man like that stumbles and falls and hurts his leg And they say he got up and he walked as if it had never happened. Talk about faithfulness. These kind of things just really get me excited. See these men who've been faithful, men and women who've been faithful all these years, right up to the last moment. When he was led into the amphitheater to be executed, they say a strong voice came out of heaven. Be strong, O Polycarp, and valiant in thy confession, and in the suffering which awaits thee. Understand, some of the people heard it. Many of them didn't because of all the noise and confusion all around. All of heaven, all of heaven was on his side. The last moment of his life. Elderly man, 86 years old. The stadtholder admonished him to have compassion on himself, seeing he was so old. Just swear by the emperor's name. Thereupon, Polycarp gave the following candid reply. This is one of the reasons I wanted to pull Polycarp and his life by his statement here. He said, I have now served my Lord Jesus Christ. 86 years. So I'm not sure what his age was here. He might have been more like 90 some. 86 years I've served the Lord Jesus. He has never done me no harm. How can I deny my king who has hitherto preserved me from all evil and so faithfully redeemed me? What a statement. The stadtholder 
threaten to turn him to the beast. Threaten to turn him to the beast if he would not desist from his purpose. I have the beast ready before whom I shall cast thee unless thou become converted betimes, meaning quickly. Get converted quickly. Polycarp answered, let them come for my purpose is unchangeable. I've been going for a long time. I've got a purpose. My purpose is steadfast. I'm not changing. I don't care what anyone take my life from me. I've got a purpose. Let them come, for my purpose is unchangeable. We cannot be converted or perverted from good to evil by affliction. But it would be better if they, the evildoers who persist in their wickedness, would become converted to that which is good. Threatened then to be burnt, once more Polycarp remarked, Thou threatens me with fire which will perhaps burn for an hour and then soon go out. But thou knowest not the fire of the future judgment of God, which is prepared and reserved for the everlasting punishment of the ungodly. But why delayest thou? Bring on the beast or the fire or whatever thou mayest choose. Thou shalt not by either of them move me to deny Christ my Lord and Savior. And as the story Unfolds there, you have Polycarp, who they took him to the post, and they were going to time fast, chain him fast like they usually do. He said, oh, please, don't worry about that. I'm going to stay here. I'll be here. And he knelt there. They started the fire. The fire burned all around him, but didn't burn him. And of course, this became a panic for all of those who were trying to end his life. So they were ordered to take off his head. And the blood from the removal of his head all but extinguished the fire. Faithful to the end. I'm not giving up. God has taken this week for many of us and has wound that into the fiber of our lives. Just one of many possible things that God is going to use so that we can be faithful to the end. So not only this week, but in the coming weeks, look at all of the things that come our way. Do it with me. Look at all the things that come our way and allow God to turn them into good, weaving them into the fabric of our life. So that we can leave behind the behind us a better world. So there with Polycarp, there is only one word for a man like that. That is faithfulness. Faithfulness. Soldiers. Soldiers for just an earthly cause. Show more faithfulness. And many Christians do to have a real cause. We probably see that little bumper sticker or a little uh, plate in the front of vehicles once in a while. And I don't know if I say it right. It's Latin semper fi, sempre fi or semper fi. And that simply means forever faithful. And they're simply saying that because of their earthly 
soldier responsibility. Semper Fi is shortened form for Semper Fidelis, forever faithful. So whenever I see a vehicle, which you see them once in a while with that Semper Fi, it always reminds me how much more for those of us who have a cause worth dying for. During the Reagan administration, there was a terrorist bombing of the Marine banks in Beirut. Hundreds of American soldiers were killed and wounded as they slept. Many of these ended up in the hospital, and Paul Kelly, Marine Corps commander, he visited the wounded soldiers. One soldier, all messed up. When Paul Kelly came close to his cot, he struggled to move, pain shooting through his body. But through sign language, he communicated he wanted paper and pen. And so they got him a paper and pen. Guess what he wrote? Semper Fi. Forever faithful. Forever faithful. Could we carry that motto with us? Forever faithful. Forever faithful. As we get up in the morning and we're faced with a dismal day, forever faithful. I'm going to be faithful to the end. We know the song, and it's in our songbooks, page 903. Oh, Master, let me walk with thee. What a beautiful song. O Master, let me walk with thee in lowly paths of service free. Tell me thy secret. Help me bear the strain of toil, the fret of care. If you look in your books, that was uh, written. The words were written by a man named Washington Gladden. He was a New England pastor. And he became very discouraged about his fruitless work. Very discouraged. About his fruitless work. He climbed up in the belfry, belfry, how do we say that? Little cubicle. Up in the uh, church. His spirits being so down, he poured out his heart to God. And it was out of that experience that he wrote this song. Oh, Master, let me walk with thee in lowly paths of service free. Tell me thy secret. Help me bear the strain of toll, the fret of care. Young folks, I would ask that we would make a commitment to God to faithfulness. So that if we don't meet again for 10 years, 10 years. I think I heard some of that this week. That when we meet again, I've been faithful. I've been growing. How disappointing it is. How disappointing it is to see men and women who have made a mark on society and then lost their way. They've lost their way. You folks had a privilege this week. Brother John is 74 years old, possibly. 74 years old. Talking to him. Disappointed that so many of men and women who have left their mark on society have lost their way. 
Here you have a man who's still preaching. But as he said, he's starting to push it off on others. We need men who are going to rise up. Faithful men who will study the word. They will be dedicated. They will be faithful. Talent is cheap. Dedication is costly. Some of you know about Old Faithful, the largest geyser in Yellow National Park. It's not the largest geyser in Yellowstone National Park. It actually doesn't reach the greatest height, but it is by far the most popular. Why is that? Because of its regularity and dependability. Apparently, it's very dependable on its timing. Very dependable. It's not the biggest. It's not the most showy. But it's dependable. And it's called Old Faithful. I'd like to quickly give you just three things. Three things that I trust will be a help to you. And I'm going to begin by reading Psalms chapter 1. The first thing tonight that we want to consider is that of meditation. So important. We can occupy our minds with so many other things, but to really meditate, so important. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is where? It's in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate... Day and night. He should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. But the ungodly, they're not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then, when is that? For then, once you observe to do all, once you meditate therein day and night, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So, Let us meditate. I know someone who would even sacrifice sleep. Psalms 119, 148. Mine eyes prevent the night watches that I might meditate in thy word. So meditation. Do lots of it. Don't allow other things to distract you. When you have a moment where your mind could just be quiet. And you can meditate. Meditate. Number two. Keep Thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. In other words, it's saying above all, above all keeping, keep your heart. Above everything else, keep your heart. Why is that? The gates of the heart need careful scrutiny. The eye gates and the ear gates need careful scrutiny. You can't allow your eyes just to be where they go, just to see what they see. 
You need to be like the watchman who stands at the gate of the city. He scrutinizes everything that comes. Only what is good and healthy and safe is going to enter in through the gate. Keep thy heart with all diligence. Watch the eye gate and the ear gates. Draw clear lines in your life. Know the people you're following. Test the books that you're reading. Consider the ideas you entertain because ideas have consequences. So we must frequently scrutinize our lives. How would this help me make the goal? I think that would be a good thing for all of us to go home and ponder. Just take our lives and let's put them on the table. This is what I do. This is the music I listen to. These are the people I hang with. These are the books that I'm reading. And the list could go on and on. This is what I do in my spare time. Scrutinize it. Is it helping me to attain the goal that I want to attain? And then number three, surround yourself with good people. Surround yourself with good people. I think we heard it this week about the imperative nature of the fellowship of believers in our lives, the need to have the church, the need to have people around us. It is so imperative. It is not safe. It is not safe to be an island, and we were never meant to be an island. Together, we will do better. Remember that little phrase, together we will do better. Devil would like us to think that's not true, but that is true. Together, we will do better. We need to live in the plural. As the Jews looked at uh, the Lord's Prayer, praying in the plural, not the singular, our Father which art in heaven. We need each other. Life is made up of each other. That is where God said is the safest and best place for you to find your potential. Integrate it. Into the lives of others. So go back back home to your homes and to your churches and make the best of it you can. Because that's the place where we will find the most growth. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things. Not some things, all things, which is the head, even Christ. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplied, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So, go home folks, meditate on the word. Meditate. Keep your heart with all diligence. Make sure there's a sentinel That's standing at the ear gate and the eye gate. And then surround yourself with good people. God bless you. May you continue to find all that you need in Christ Jesus.
Let us just bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you again for bringing us together like this this evening. Father, it is our desire to be faithful to the end. Help us to bring together those things in life, the experiences that I will have, the good days, the bad days, the enjoyable days, the difficult days. Help us, Lord, to bring them all together and to allow you to weave them into the fabrics of our lives, turning every stumbling stone into a stepping stone. Thank you for each one of these students. Would you bless them? Each one of us, that we would be made better by it, and I pray that we too, with the Apostle Paul, could say, I have finished my course. I have fought a good fight. Therefore, there is a crown laid up of righteousness, not only for him, but for all of us. So thank you again. Bless each one that is here, especially these students as they go back home, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.